I have to tell you, the, the longer that I live this life, the more it seems like things get complicated and confusing, and, and I have less answers uh, for, for life and things, except, except the, the one thing that, that uh, gains more and more clarity, for me at least, is, is the love of God put on full display in the cross. Uh, that, that, you know, everything else just gets more chaotic. That, that just becomes more and more crystal clear and is um, just um, um, very humbling. Um, in fact, let's, let's pray together again. Uh, Heavenly Father, I, I, I just thank you for the wonderful cross. Uh, thank you that, that you stepped down into darkness and despair and, and taking on flesh in Jesus Christ. Lord, would you continue to help us grasp the magnitude of what you've done for us in the work of the cross? We pray it all in the name of Jesus who, who donned that cross. Amen. Well, good morning. Uh, welcome. Uh, welcome to Troy United Methodist Church. I'm so glad uh, each of you is here today. A special shout out, uh, as, as Dave said, to those of you who are newer or uh, visiting uh, for the first time today. I, I'm really glad that you're here. Uh, as you've heard, we've uh, been in this, uh, we're, we're kind of in week two of this four-week journey with Jesus in his final moments. Um, uh, last week, uh, we began to uh, take a look at uh, some of the last words that Jesus spoke uh, right before his death and then ultimately his uh, resurrection, uh, specifically the words that he spoke from the place of his execution, uh, hanging on the cross. And in Luke chapter uh, 23, uh, verse 34, we find our blood red letters for today. Uh, Jesus speaks these, which, which seem to be his, his first words uh, from the cross. Um, just to set the, the backdrop, the scene here, Jesus had uh, just been beaten. He had been humiliated, mocked, spit on. Uh, he'd been uh, just punched in the face over and over and over again. Uh, he'd been uh, beaten with a rod, uh, whipped uh, 39 times, uh, nearly to the point of death. Uh, he was almost unrecognizable uh, because of the bodily damage that had been done to him, not, not even to mention the emotional uh, damage that had been done uh, by those who he had, come, he had created and, and loved. And after his beatings, Jesus was marched up with his cross to a hill uh, named the Skull. And there he was hanging on the cross between two criminals when he looked down upon his accusers, uh, the, the, the superficial crowds who uh, were now chanting crucify him, but just a week earlier were shouting his praises and welcoming him with open arms. Um, and, in fact, next week we're going to uh, remember that, Palm Sunday. We're going to remember the triumphant entry into Jerusalem where uh, people just celebrated the coming of their king. Um, and, and we're actually going to have some special guests uh, next week. You are going to want to bring a camera. 
if, if you like to have picture next to uh, uh, very famous folk. So, uh, so next week, it's, it's supposed to be a surprise. So uh, come, come next week for that. Uh, I'm sorry, dinner church, the, they're not going to stick around uh, for the evening. So you might actually want to come uh, just to meet the special guests, and then, and then you can go back and have, have dinner at dinner church next week. But, uh, uh, but, but anyway, uh, Jesus, Jesus uh, looked down upon those accusers, those mocking crowds who were just so superficial. Uh, Jesus also uh, was looking upon the Roman soldiers who had just ruthlessly humiliated him and, and beat him. Uh, and there, there were also the, uh, the scribes, the Pharisees, the teachers of religious law, who, who they were the ones who were behind this all. They, they were the ones who had plotted to have Jesus killed in the first place. And he looked at them from the cross. And, and then he said these words that, that really just changed everything. He said, Father, forgive them, for they don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. You know, forgiveness is the central focus of the cross. And Jesus hung up there and he uttered those words, Father, forgive them. And in doing so, he, he was teaching how essential forgiveness is. I mean, these weren't just words. He was setting the stage uh, to tell his disciples, uh, uh, his followers, including you and, and me, the importance of forgiveness. We can never forget that the focus of the cross, the central theme of the cross is forgiveness. You know, if you've been around the church for a while, you've heard that before. You, you know that, you get that. Uh, uh, you, you, maybe you've even encouraged others in your life to forgive because, because of the Bible's teachings. Uh, but what's remarkable to me about these final words that Jesus spoke was, was that he was, he was putting his money where his mouth is. And he was practicing what he had been preaching, quite literally. Um, it, it's one thing to teach about forgiveness, which Jesus did on multiple occasions, and we'll look at some of those in a bit. It's, it, it's easy to teach about those things when your life isn't on the line. It's not easy at all to forgive when you are the one who has had a great injustice done to you. But Jesus did. And he set an example that, that is difficult to follow, but life-giving if you do. So let's take a couple of moments just to dig into uh, some of what Jesus had previously taught about forgiveness in, in the more peaceful moments, um, in moments where Jesus, yeah, maybe he experienced a little bit of ridicule, uh, but, but certainly not the physical or emotional torment of the cross. Um, in those more peaceful moments, Jesus, um, in teaching his followers to pray, he taught them to, to say uh, to, to God, the Father, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And then he went on to explain why you should pray that way uh, by, by teaching this. If you forgive those who sin against you, Jesus said, your heavenly father will forgive you. But if you refuse to forgive others, your father will not forgive your sins. Now, elsewhere, Jesus uh, tells a parable, a story, a made-up story to illustrate a point uh, of a servant who had been forgiven by uh, a king, a debt that would have taken him five lifetimes 
to pay back. Uh, but then that same servant who had been forgiven this great debt turned right around and imprisoned someone who owed him just a, a, a debt that would have required a couple of months of wages. So, so the king, irritated to no end, uh, had this servant who he had previously forgiven imprisoned until he could pay back his entire debt. And Jesus followed up this story with these words from Matthew 18. He said, that's what my heavenly father will do to you. If you uh, refuse to forgive your brothers and sisters from your heart. And Jesus clearly taught that unless you forgive others, you yourself will not be forgiven. Uh, but Jesus didn't just teach it. And he lived it out. And as he hung on the cross and forgave those who had tortured him, mocked him, spit on him, and cursed him, he was making a final and compelling statement about how important forgiveness really is. Now, I, I believe Jesus was so adamant about forgiveness for at least a couple of reasons. Uh, I mean, first, I mean, really consider the alternative to forgiveness. Uh, the alternative is unforgiveness. <laughs> Um, now, now, my assumption is that uh, just about all of us here have been caught in patterns of unforgiveness, at least at some point in our lives. Um, some of you may be caught up in patterns of unforgiveness right, right here and now, and, and, and this will be speaking directly to you today. Uh, unforgiveness comes when you let an offense uh, fester inside of you where you just ruminate on it continually about how unfortunate your situation is. And, and you may find yourself complaining, even, even looking for opportunities uh, to rant about it to anyone who will listen. Um, unforgiveness really does seem attractive. It is, seems attractive for several reasons. Uh, in fact, some people in this world would actually tell you to hold on to unforgiveness for these reasons. Um, first, it justifies your hurt feelings and, and even justifies uh, maybe your retaliation uh, to the offender. It helps you see your offender as pure evil and consequently helps you to feel completely right. Uh, unforgiveness gives you permission to feel sorry for yourself. And it conveniently puts all the responsibility on others rather than facing your own responsibility for any given situation. Now, I recall uh, several years ago having a conversation with a church member who uh, had been sexually abused as a child and had gone through a long, long period of time in her life of unforgiveness. And she later told me, she said, the only person I was hurting with my unforgiveness was myself. It's, it's like, she said, almost like I locked myself in a prison and thought that by doing so, that that would punish the person who hurt me. But the only person that I was punishing was myself. You know, that's what happens. That, that, that's what happens when you're consumed with seeking revenge or with uh, withholding forgiveness. It imprisons you. 
I believe that's a major reason why Jesus taught his followers to forgive, um, uh, in part uh, uh, for their own benefit. But I think Jesus' radical teaching about forgiveness, which really culminated in in these blood red letters from the cross, Father, forgive them, I think his main point was was, uh, much deeper even than that. You see, it was on the cross that you and I were forgiven a debt that we could never repay. No matter how hard we might try, we could never repay it. So how can we withhold that forgiveness from others? Those who have been shown mercy, in turn, show mercy. Those who have uh, a great debt canceled, cancel debts. Those who have been forgiven, forgive. Jesus showed us love when we didn't deserve it, forgiveness when we didn't deserve it. And he was teaching us to to love and forgive others the way that he loves and forgives us. Now, I I know this this is heavy. Uh, this is hard teaching, um, and I've hit you kind of hard with it uh, already this morning, but, but I want to get a little more practical. You know, my guess here is that uh, if you're here, uh, that, that you very easily could have come in here today and said, yeah, you ought to forgive. I ought to forgive. We ought to forgive. That's what the Bible teaches. That's what Jesus said. You're supposed to forgive, but that doesn't mean we do it. You know, that, so, so let's talk a little more practically. Um, what I want to do is this. I, I want to uh, offer a little bit of direction and encouragement on how to practically take steps of forgiveness in our lives in response to different types of offenses that are done to us. Uh, I think some of these may challenge you. Some of them may hit right where you're at today. But better yet, uh, I hope that they empower each one of us to take those next steps of forgiveness. Uh, You you may want to follow along in your message notes. Uh, You've probably experienced this first offense sometimes. That sometimes, Sometimes people offend you without even knowing that they've offended you. And this happens all the time, doesn't it? I'll call this the clueless offense. Uh, husbands were notorious for clueless offenses. Uh, you know, the, the clueless offense, you, you know what I'm talking about, right? Where someone offends you by something that they say or something that they do, and they're just clueless to it. They don't even know what they've done. Uh, they have no idea that they've offended you. And now, I, I'm just going to be honest. Uh, this morning, without knowing it, people offend me all the time. Uh, at, least, at least once or twice a day while I'm driving. Uh, can I get an Amen. Uh, (laughs) uh, Over the years, I I have gotten better thanks to God's grace and God's grace alone. Uh, But but I'm still, I find myself getting easily irritated behind the wheel. Um, Now, I'll tell you what what actually helped. In all seriousness, what what helped was the the thought that as I'm getting easily irritated and that, that Oh, gosh, I could respond by being a jerk. You know, I wouldn't flip you the bird or anything, but I'd, you know, I'd, I'd uh, you know, maybe, you know, I'd be a little more aggressive driving and, and, uh, and the thought of, of me doing so and then pulling up to a stoplight, you know, right next to the person who I was so easily irritated with and looking over and seeing one of you. <laughs> uh, really, 
really, that, the, the thought of that uh, was some very good accountability. Uh, and I'd feel horrible. I would feel horrible if that was the case. Um, and even worse, like somebody who I didn't recognize, but maybe was a brand new person to church and, and have them think in their head, oh, well, I'm never going back to that church. Uh, so, so just to be properly prepared for the future. If, if you ever catch me in an impatient moment in my car and, and I do something uh, to offend you um, as, as maybe I've been offended while driving, it it might just be a good thing for me to ask for your forgiveness now, <laughs> just in advance. <laughs> uh, but th this, I, th this kind of illustrates a larger point, right? That th there are times when people do things and they get under your skin, they don't even know it, they're clueless about it. And, and, and here's what we can do uh, in advance and even in those moments. Obviously, we need to forgive them. We, we, we know that much. But, but more foundational than that, I think... I, I think following Jesus, God is calling us to become people who are not so easily offended. And I'm preaching to myself here too. I mean, some, someone say something that rubbed you the wrong way, didn't get invited to that event. Somebody posted something insensitive on Facebook. Your, your name was conspicuously missing from that email thread. Someone else gets acknowledged for their hard work, and you're wondering why you got overlooked. You never received the thank you card that you expected. Work at becoming a person who is not so easily offended. Uh, a couple of suggestions. First, recognize that, that part of becoming more like Jesus, growing as a disciple, is to become less easily angered. Uh, 1 Corinthians uh, chapter 13, the love chapter, which for those of us uh, who are in the, the Facebook Lenten uh, Bible study together, that's our reading for tomorrow is the love chapter. Um, and and it, its description of love says in part this. It says, love is not easily angered. It, it keeps no record of wrongs. You know, there are several other uh, admonishments from Scripture to, to not be so easily offended. This, th this may be a, an area for you that you need some particular encouragement from others in. Um, maybe you need to seek that encouragement out and just kind of confess it. Gosh, I'm just, I'm just, you know, I'm like a fuse, just about ready to be lit every time. And, and, and just kind of confess that to your journey group or to your spouse or to another trusted friend. A ask for prayer, ask for support and encouragement and gentle reminders when you're getting easily offended. Um, but you can also learn to let things go uh, by, by not being so much focused on yourself. And think of the other person. The person who has offended you, uh, their motives, their background, the, the, the big picture of the situation. They're, it, you know, they're not an object. They're just to make your life easier. And they're a person with, with their own stuff, with their own struggles, with their own challenges. Uh, you know, so, so often we get easily offended uh, because we objectify the people around us in our lives. So don't be so concerned about being right or 
by calling somebody else out. Learn to be not so self-focused. Of course, there could be times when someone is clueless to their offense and it just keeps happening over and over and over and over again. And, and it becomes relationally destructive. I think we've all been there at times. And if that's the case, then, then it, it, it's uh, very appropriate for you to consider lovingly approaching that person who just continually uh, crosses boundaries or offends you in ways uh, that are hurting your relationship. And you'll know you're at that point if you're beginning to avoid that person uh, because of their continual offenses against you, and yet they're just totally clueless about it. You know, how, how ridiculous is it for us to let clueless offenses ruin relationships with people in our lives? We need to be above that and, and engage in those more difficult conversations. But in the, in the second and third categories of, of offense are, are a little more difficult. And I, uh, I'm just going to call these minor and major offenses. Uh, th these would be offenses that are not done cluelessly. Uh, I won't even try to distinguish between minor and major offenses. I'll let you do that. Uh, uh, where the line exactly is, um, uh, only you know. Uh, what, what's minor and what's major to you, and it might look different for different people. But, but the difference very well may lie in, in your desire to seek reconciliation with the offender or, or not. Um, you know, I, I would hope that if you've been minorly offended that you would want to seek reconciliation. In, in other words, continue on in a relationship with that person. But major offenses might make you question whether you want to do that or not. You know, a lot of times these offenses are committed by people who are close to us, people that we trust, people that we love, people that we care about, and we care about how, how uh, they view us, uh, your, your parents or your kids, your, your spouse or your boss or a, a trusted friend, someone within the church community, um, some, somebody else that you're in a, in a meaningful relationship with. And, and you might be able to let some of these offenses go if, if they weren't somebody that you just cared so much about and you cared about your relationship with this person. Uh, so, so what do you do in those circumstances? How do you go about forgiving someone and, and possibly opening a door for reconciliation? I think it's uh, first important to know what forgiveness is not. You know, forgiveness is not condoning or excusing the behavior. Uh, forgiveness is, is not rejecting the justice that, that is necessary in a situation. Uh, forgiveness isn't forgetting or ignoring past wounds, and it's certainly not giving someone permission to, uh, to hurt you again and again and again. Uh, you know, this is a, a lighthearted illustration, but I, I think it, it, it gets to the, the point of things. When, when my kids say sorry to each other, and, and they do occasionally, uh, but when, when they say sorry to each other, one of the more typical responses uh, that the, the offended one will make is, it's okay. You, you hear this before? Maybe, maybe sometimes somebody offends you or hurts you, a minor offense or something, or maybe even a major offense. You say, it's okay when, when they ask for forgiveness. And, and I, then that's when I jump in as a dad and I say, no, 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 no. It's not okay. Well, they did. That's, that, that's not okay. Forgiveness is not saying it's okay. Forgiveness is first a decision to not seek revenge or repayment in a situation. But even deeper than that, forgiveness is the eventual replacement of the negative emotions of unforgiveness with positive emotions of mercy 
and grace and, and even love. And only when you get to that point can, can you truly be set free from the prison of unforgiveness. And I, I, as I've already shared from the scriptures, uh, unforgiveness is not an option for those of us who, who say we want to follow Jesus. It just isn't. Now, how can you begin to offer forgiveness in those situations? I, I, I think looking at what Jesus did from the cross and these blood red letters is the best first step. Um, you notice Jesus didn't say, hey, everybody down there who just abused and tortured and hurt me, I forgive you. He didn't say that, did he? No, he offered a prayer. He said, Father, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. Forgive them. And so I, I think our first step ought to be to pray to God. Say, Father, forgive them. And to keep praying that over and over and over again and ask God to change your heart toward the offender. And over time, by God's grace, your heart can be softened and you'll be able to not just choose to forgive, but actually to replace those uh, negative emotions of unforgiveness with the positive emotions of mercy and grace and even love toward your offender. But, but I also want to be clear, there's a huge uh, difference between offering forgiveness and being reconciled. Uh, uh, you know, reconciliation requires the offended to offer forgiveness, but it also requires the offender to admit wrongdoing, to ask and receive that forgiveness and work toward changed behavior. Uh, th that's that's a, really a message for another time, but I at least wanted to point you in the right direction and, not, and help you not be confused between forgiveness and, and reconciliation. Uh, our focus today is on the forgiveness end of things, uh, which does not require anything from the offender. And, and for the Christ follower, the key to forgiveness is, is in the cross. That, that, that's why these blood red letters that Jesus spoke were so powerful. You see, the, the, the main reason Jesus gives for why his followers should forgive others is that they themselves, we have already been forgiven. We've, we've already been forgiven a debt that we cannot repay, a, a sin debt that Jesus paid for us on the cross. That's, that's what makes the cross so wonderful. It's a place of torture and execution and an ugly thing, but it's the place of forgiveness that, that's that, because on it, a, a debt that we could never pay was paid for us so that, so that we could be reconciled to God. When we admit our wrongdoing, when we receive forgiveness, and when we seek changed behavior by turning toward God with our whole heart. Now, I'm not sure what forgiveness burden you might carry in with you today. Maybe... Maybe your burden is that you need to receive forgiveness for some offenses that, that you have, uh, that have been weighing heavy on you. Or, or, or maybe your burden is one of unforgiveness, that you need to surrender your pain of the past hurt to God and to consciously forgive your offender. Whatever it is, uh, please note forgiveness always has two parts to it. Um, you're only responsible for the first part if you've been offended. 
and that is to offer forgiveness. Uh, but as the offender in many situations, your part is to receive. Receive forgiveness. And, and today I invite you to choose at least one of those two and, and write down your offense or, or how you've been offended. You were given, uh, handed a piece of paper uh, that's uh, read like this on your way in, and I, I encourage you to write down uh, something that either you need forgiveness for or something that you have, have um, that has been done to you that you're feeling the tug of God to release and no longer be tra trapped in the prison of unforgiveness any longer. Uh, anyway, write it down. And in a few moments after we just take a couple moments of reflective prayer, uh, uh, write it down and, and we will come forward and, and share in the Lord's Supper together, a remembering of what Jesus has done on the cross for us and receiving his forgiveness and grace. But before that, uh, you'll have an opportunity to, to nail that forgiveness matter uh, on the cross and leave it behind with Jesus. Uh, so let's, let's uh, join our hearts in prayer and reflection. Lord, we just pray that you would speak to us. Help this become real for each of us. Give us the courage to write down the heart of the matter, that which has imprisoned us, or that which we have offended and hurt others, and ultimately you. Lord, help us release that debt, a debt that we owe, as well as, in some cases, a debt owed to us. But ultimately, you take responsibility for. Lord, would you give us the, the courage and the wherewithal by the power of your spirit to let it go today. We pray in Jesus' name.